The Spin-Off Podcast Network. Tired of diesel buses? Want more cycle lanes or bus lanes? Which projects do you want Auckland Transport to work on first? They need your opinion. So head to haveyoursay.at.govt.nz forward slash RLTP to do just that. Consultation closes on 17 June. Get in quick. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Tēnā koutou, tēnā koutou, tēnā tātou katoa, kei te whakarongo mai, koutou ki a gone by lunchtime, ko Toby Manhaya, tēnā kia ora, Annabelle Lee, kei te pēhea koe. Kei te paia hau, kei te pēhea koe. Kei te paia, kei te paia, kia ora, Ben Thomas, kei te pēhea koe. This, this being Māori language <laughs> month. Just week, say, week, just say kei yeah. te paia. There's a month, isn't there? It's mahuru Māori, that's this month. I, I, I undertake to begin my fourth pass at Scotty Morrison's Mouldy Made Easy mm. on my bedside table. Just saying Katie Pye right now would have sufficed, but that's good too. Um, I'm going to give everyone an insight into the um, back room working of the Gone By Lunchtime podcast. Mm. We have been exchanging emails and messages um, complaining about our flailing energy uh, wish to escape forever from the interminable election. Mm. Haven't we? We have. We um, have. It's been hard. It's but been the, a grind. But then yesterday, last night there was a poll. We're talking on Wednesday morning now. Um, on Tuesday evening there was a paddy poll. There was a paddy poll. A read research poll. It was dramatic and devastating. It was dramatic and devastating. And it, it was. Of, kind of was. It kind mm. of, I felt like it was a shot, steroid shot, a bit of Lance Armstrong EPO in the last flagging lap of the Tour de France. Mm-hmm. Um, did you feel that way, Annabelle? I did. When I saw the headline, dramatic poll, I was like, oh, here we go. Mm. And then I read it and I was like, oh, mm. amazing. Um, we can read too much into it, can't we? It's, it's, it, it, it put um, National on almost 10 points ahead of Labour. According to those numbers, it had, had National able to pretty well govern without any... The, the greens were out, so forty-seven point three was under five. I mean, it's. It, I mean, we, we we can overstate it. We don't have that many polls to cling to, but all the same, it was like a shutdown of the 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 trajectory, the narrative that we that that, that New Zealand seemed to be swept up in. Would I be a bit of a kill buzz if I said it felt a little bit roguey? Bit roguey. A little bit roguey. Maybe, maybe the coma was a bit roguey. I mean. There's two Colmars, though, that had the same yeah, trend. Yeah. And Reed Research had been following a similar trend until this one. Who knows? Maybe it's the $11 billion hole. Yeah, like most people who have 
red538.com mm. um, I too am a statistics expert mm. and um, you know what you always look at with the polls is the trend mm. and this is the first poll that has bucked the trend of national going down Labour going up mm. um, for quite a while mm. so that, that's going to you know, obviously buoy national it, it, the numbers don't seem right they don't, they don't seem in accordance with what the parties are privately talking about in terms of their polling they, they, they're not in line with the highly reputable newsroom SSI poll, which had Labour with a 17-point gap mm. over National. Um, that one was a 100% online poll. Um, but I, you know, I, yeah, I, I don't think I don't think we would see this as a sort of huge tsunami-like change. Um, but but I, but I think it, it indicates, you know, look, it indicates that the, the, the tide of Jacinda mania may have started ebbing a little bit, which I think I can understand. But if Tom Sainsbury being Paula Bennett was to comment, he would say that, um, as we say in fashions, it's off trend. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Annabelle Lee doing an impression of Tom Sainsbury doing an impression of Paula Bennett. Bennett. Thank you. You can um, see more Tom Sainsbury impressions and Kiwis of Snapchat on thespinoff.co.nz. The poll of polls that various people are running because um, they realise it's very expensive to run polls and so we've just got polls of polls and eventually we'll have no polls left at all, just polls of polls and polls of polls of polls. But the polls of polls, the latest versions pretty well say that the two parties are neck and neck, don't they? I mean, it is going to be super tight in the next... What is it? It's Less a drag race, Toby. It's a drag race. Um, the um, uh, advanced voting is now underway. We mm-hmm. had almost 40,000 people on day one. The Electoral Commission have for a long time been saying they expect as many as half of voters to go to a booth before polling. Have you voted yet? No, I'm old-fashioned. I like doing it on the Saturday. I like wandering in and mm. there's the ladies wearing the rosettes mm. and, you know, I like that buzz. Mm. I'm saving myself for election day. Mm. Ben? You're, yeah, you're I, an election day romantic, look I, at you. I can see. <laughs> I am. I, I like the suspense to build up, never, never quite knowing which box I'm going to tick. I love and that then, feeling of election day, you know, the, the kind of, that lag as well, even though I think the rules are a bit dumb and a bit sort of antiquated and insulting. I love that kind of pause, that like fellow period and everything that just feels like a, I don't know, I imagine that's what death feel, feels like in a way. <laughs> Quite likely, I, yeah. I imagine death feels like the last two weeks of this campaign. Mm. Um, I, I think the, the early voting thing is interesting because this is going to be by far the highest early voting turnout if the Electoral Commission reaches what it says is, is its expectation, but also its mm. target. Mm. Um, because I, I've, I've spent a lot of time just in the past two days listening to Jacinda Ardern and Grant Robertson at various breakfast kind You've of meetings. You've been going to a lot of breakfast. Mm. A lot of time that I would have rather have been in bed sleeping. Mm. Um, I've been listening to the top two candidates in the Labour Party list. And, or, well, top three. Right. Do you actually get a breakfast when you go to those things? Uh, ZB had these kind of toasted croissants with... Yeah. Bacon and cheese and some other stuff, but I papaya. There's normally good papaya or melon op- offerings. Any they, melons? They had sort of like cereal cups, you know, um, kind of muesli sort like of cups. Like a birchery kind of. Yeah, that that sort of thing. Um, I lots like of jam coffee for a breakfast croissant myself. Right yeah, the mood heavy. of the boardroom, as you'd expect for all the company, all the country's most important CEOs. That had a that had a full, full breakfast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, squid ink. Squid ink served in a bowl. In the and you had, the the, but the, the, I mean, the mood of the boardroom breakfast came off the back of the Herald's annual yeah. survey in which all the business leaders too seemed swept up in Jacinda Mania. They did, yeah. And it seemed like, I mean, I, I didn't I didn't watch, I just was looking at the, 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 the kind of, probably just reading your Twitter feed, Ben, that's all I need. And um, it felt as though Robertson had... Um, had Joyce squirming. Was that true or not true? I mean, the fiscal hole stuff, fiscal hole stuff. Well, I, look, I'm starting to doubt my own senses and the nature of reality this deep into the campaign. Mm. I had Bill English winning the stuff debate in Christchurch, which not a lot of people agreed with me on. No one agreed with you, um, but the News Hub poll has vindicated you. And the News Hub poll has vindicated you. That's just a fact. That's just a statistical <laughs> fact. The, um, uh, you can't have an opinion about and, a fact. And, and, and look, there was a lot of reporting on the mood of the boardroom with... Joyce doubling down on his fiscal hole claims, which did which drew a laugh from the business audience there. Yeah. So I don't I don't think that that's a sort of credibility winner for National even now. Right. But overall, I thought uh, Robertson. Two things struck me. The first was that he very much othered the business audience. You know, he kept referring to you, um, and there was a clear division between us, the Labour Party, and you, the business community, which was quite reminiscent of Helen Clark. And it wasn't even the same, I don't think, with An- a guy like Andrew Little, who actually had a lot more experience dealing with business from when he was a unionist. Um, the second thing that struck me was just how little detail the, that um, that, that uh, Labour still have on their tax issue, on their tax working group. Hmm. Um, and, and how ad hoc the whole thing seems. So at that breakfast, uh, Robertson said, you know, they wouldn't be going into any more detail, and he prefaced his answers by saying, we've been very clear, which made me want to just kill myself at the table because of the number of times I've heard that over the last week or so. Mm. Um, and then he said, um, that then he ruled out a change in the savings tax rate. So, you know, investments and, you know, pension funds, superannuation. So what we're seeing is all of these... And inheritance tax was ruled out that morning too. It was ruled out that morning by Jacinda. So there's this ad hoc drip feeding, you know, kind of slowly chipping away at this block of stone to eventually create the sort of Michelangelo's David of their tax policy. Mm. And it just seems ridiculous that they still maintain this fiction that they, you know, there's an an empty canvas, you know, blank canvas, an empty slate for them to write on because there, there, there is all of this detail being like revealed on the hoof. Um, the other thing that came up was the industrial relations policy, which a lot of people in business are quite worried about as a return to collective bargaining. Um, Robertson was at sea on that. Um, he didn't have any satisfactory answers for Joyce, and I thought that that was where Joyce seemed at his most commanding. The, the tax thing is, is, is really interesting. It, the National Party have this morning launched a new ad where they've gone in hard, they've let's tax this, and they've got a whole bunch of red arrows pointing at different things like water and cows' asses and saying they're gonna everything's gonna be tax, 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 tax. I guess my question about it is, or my puzzle about it is, why? Because Andrew Little had said we will do the working group, we'll take it to the country at the next electorate when we go into our second term in government. And that kind of drew a line under it. Now, whether or not that was defensible, you know, in, 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 in sort of principled terms is, is arguable. I don't know. But Jacinda Ardern made a captain's call. She said when we did the Herald interviews with, with, with her in, in English, she said um, that it was captain's call and she discussed it with Grant, with Grant Robertson. Basically, she, she'd made the decision. The memo didn't get to 
her deputy leader, even Kelvin Davis, who, you know, almost almost two weeks later was telling NewsHub that it would be taken to the country. Any changes? So, but why why do it at all? Wasn't wouldn't that have kind of wrapped it up in a in a pouch and chucked it into the what to say that she won't do it until next election? Yeah, election I mean, after. because it's gonna. Because I mean, I these things take is, time anyway, don't because they? Because I think that there is. I think that she can see that there is a desire hmm. um, from some quarters um, for there to be changes in um, in taxation, and I think that she perhaps knew that she had the luxury of of being able to do it because of the goodwill around yep. her and Jacinda Mania, whereas Little was kind of crippled because he was so unpopular that he really couldn't risk to lose anything, which means that he couldn't mm. do anything. But in terms of the water, uh, yeah, what happened to the proposition of user pays, I wonder? Uh, it, it seems logical that there has to be some sort of taxation or levy for water use and I'm, I'm just intrigued that um, you know when it comes to farmers that they seem to expect a free ride in terms of cleaning up rivers paying for water use mm. and yet everybody else seems to be on a user pays system for all other resources. Well, that was an, the polls on that suggest that people are behind that idea of that that, that water tax as well. Mm. I mean, I mean, the national obviously has decided that it's just going to wrap them all up in one and say count the taxes and and they yes. yeah and and they've been given free reign to do that by Labor because Labor won't commit to an actual tax plan and it it seems bizarre you know you're talking about whether it was principled of Andrew Little to kind of kick kick it to the next election. But that's exactly what Helen Clark did, um, what John Key did, in terms of, you know... The, well, John Key didn't he introduce GST without putting it to the country? Well, it increased yeah, GST without in, 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 in the campaign, he In the campaign, he talked about, you know, asset sales and said that we we won't sell any assets. We'll, if, yeah, if we decide we want to sell assets, we'll take that to the electorate and we'll let people vote on it. And you, look, you're right. I mean, they did make a reversal um, in the first term on... Um, on GST, they increased GST. They said they they wouldn't, um, and and maybe that's the kind of minor betrayal you can make when you're in government. But I don't. It seems to be a different thing to to actually campaign on ambiguity, which is what Labour are doing. And I, th- I think that's right. Initially, um, Jacinda had this huge reservoir of goodwill and sort of trust, but I think that's being steadily eroded. And and, and you're seeing mm-hmm. every interview is concentrating on this issue of. Where, where it is actually coming down now to sort of, it seems like evasiveness, I think. I mean, I have, I have no doubt that if Labour doesn't draw a line under this, if the campaign went on for, I think, two more weeks, mm. I'd put every dollar I owned on national winning. Um, but I think that, you know, I, I think that the, the sort of time left in the campaign means that, you know, we're still running a very even race. Mm. But it, it isn't, I mean, they could yet. If internal polling backs up, even the vague direction of travel that you're seeing and read, would it be a political disaster to say, all right, we've listened, we've said, okay, we'll, we, we'll, we'll revert, we'll revert? Because in, t- in time terms, they wouldn't be able to introduce any new taxes until almost up to the next election anyway because of the time it takes to assemble a working group for the working group to do its working and its grouping. And then for the you know, IRD to introduce the actual practical steps. We're pretty much taken up to, we're pretty much in 2020 anyway, aren't we? And I speak as an expert here on 
on tax and statistics. But you I know, think I it did, would I make did, her look just weak. Looks, looks, looks if, too if much she would, looked, she'd yeah. look wishy washy and weak. I think if she was to back down on that now, and I dare say that it would end up you'd see um, some movement back towards the Greens, which would probably be a good thing for them. But I think it would probably hurt her credibility more if she was to back down on that issue now. But you're right, we're seeing their, their, their tax policy sort of being developed on the campaign trail as they get chipped away at. And, yeah, you see um, things like inheritance tax and that being ruled out. And the other, the other thing that I thought was interesting, Jack Tame on TVNZ, you know, that, that, that nice young man. Leighton um, Smith, Leighton Smith, News Talk ZB. He says Jack, Jack Tame, or as I call him, Tame Jack. <laughs> what a hate-raid. Don't listen to the hate-raids, Jack. You're amazing. Well, well Leighton Smith has converted to Jacinda Mania as well. No. Judging on the last week, yeah. It was, sort of, it was the opposite of damning with faint praise. He was he, sort of praising with faint damn. He had an extensive monologue on the pace at which Jacinda speaks, <laughs> um, which is not to... People who talk fast are not to be trusted. News talk ZB. Did you hear his one about using pauses effectively? Like that? Yeah. I'm sure it was him. Maybe it was a comedy. No, it was him. You were making a point. Sorry, Ben. <laughs> um, I th- oh, look. Oh, yeah, so um, Jack Tame interviewed Jacinda and, and put it to her. Well, she had said that her climate change goal in terms of uh, her climate change goal would be the preserve of an independent commissioner who would look at things rigorously and with scientific evidence and then would make a call that the government would adopt in terms of its goals for climate change. And then a week later, she came out and said, actually, carbon neutral by 2050, which may or may Mm. not, um, as per Toby's excellent piece on the spinoff, have been an attempt to undercut the Greens and finally put them out of their misery. Or it may have just been more making things up on the hoof because that sounded better on the campaign trail. But what it showed is there's no, there's, you know, not a lot of thought is going into this. It's not as if they had this very strong principled position earlier that they were going to have a climate commissioner and they would set the target because that was better both morally and scientifically. You know, what they, what they have is just this carousel of policy ideas that sound good day to day. Um, and I think, and, and I, th- I don't think it would hurt them to abandon them just as it hasn't hurt them to abandon the... Um, the, the Carbon Commissioner independent decision um, to provide more clarity because what we're seeing now is National are attacking them on these so-called taxes and they're putting in the fart tax and the water tax both of which are actually just million, hundreds of million dollar a year subsidies to the farming sector. Exactly. So, so National are now pretending that the, 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 you know, this, this phantom taxing Labour government you know, is, 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 is out to get ordinary New Zealanders when actually a lot of the things that they're talking about are just removing massive subsidies to the agricultural sector, which, you know, National is kind of sort of enthralled to. Mm. Let's talk about the Greens, since you mentioned them. 4.9% on the Reed, <coughs> the Reed uh, New Sub poll last night, which by my calculations is not as high as 5%, no. which is what you required. Quite under right. the mixed member proportional system that we use in New Zealand mm. to gain uh, representation in Parliament without an electorate seat. Um, there's been talks of deals, whether or not there could be a deal. But it looks like um, uh, Grant, uh, Grant Robertson and Jacinda are doing a debt against Grant Robertson doing a deal in Wellington Central for James Shaw. That's not a lot of other options out there. Are they... Uh, I mean, you know, they could really miss out. It's difficult for the Greens because they're up a they polluted wanna... creek without a paddle, Toby. Mm. At present, mm. 
um, it's not good. Um, they they on one predictive model that which is Patrick Leyland's, uh, uh, which is out this morning. He's got them going down to 2.5%, which is striking, but it's it, they haven't polled that low, clearly, but there is this house bias in polling over recent elections, whereby they register lower on election day than they have done in the polls. So even from one point of view, it could be that 6% would be a worse result for them in the polls because it might give people who were um, you know, carving away towards Jacinda Ardern's labour um, license to feel they could do that. I don't know. What are they going to do? What what happens here? What do you if you're sitting around in the Greens um, war room? How do you go? Do you go harder at Labour? Do you bring back Metidia? I mean, what what do, well, you, what Metid- do you do? is trying to bring back herself. She's have you seen? She's, she's, she's around. She's good at she's, she's campaigning hard in Te Taitonga. Yep, she's saying that she wants to be returned to Parliament mm. and is making a. A play for the electorate vote. I actually think that's perhaps with the you know benefit of hindsight where the Greens have went wrong is perhaps some more effort should have been made to um, shore up an electorate seat somewhere as a bit of a, mm. a safety Does, belt. Do, for I mean, them. there's a huge, huge, huge majority to overcome in Te Taitonga where Unless Matidia can have a very late in life mm. whangai arrangement in the Titicatani family, she mm. has literally zero chance of winning Te Taitonga. Yeah, I think she's actually polling third at the moment right. in Te Taitonga after um, the Māori Party's candidate made. Um, Tidy, who is a very charming, lovely wahine, but those polls were also made before, um, those polls were conducted before, uh, well, they they were first started polling before Matidia had quit and Jacinda Mania, so mm. whether or not there's a bit of a sympathy vote out there for Matidia, I don't know. Mm. They, um, she might lift a little, but she definitely won't take it off it anymore. There's clearly some frustration in the Greens. It spilled over onto Twitter a bit this week um, in terms of the sense that Labour is stealing their thunder. Um, and uh, I mean, st- stealing their thunder is a very sort of muted, euphemistic way of yes, saying trying is. to destroy as a political <laughs> party. <laughs> um, <laughs> and clearly there are some people in Labour who, 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 who attempt to buy that idea and you can, the argument would be, in a medium to long term sense, that if you can reduce Greens to a pile of um, organic ashes and then they turn into a Green Party that is purely environment focused and can swing either way in terms of party, that you then gain back the social the, the social policy support that you've lost to them in the past. That, that, would, that, that, that would, I guess, be the argument there for people and who want to wipe well, them even out. Even in the short term, um, if National and Labour are about equal, both on around 40%, they'll get roughly half the Greens' vote each. So it, it positionally, it doesn't disadvantage national. It doesn't no, disadvantage no, Labour in, in, in the attempt to get a New Zealand first coalition. Yeah, no, but right. right. So, so, so if, if you accept that, I'm Labor's sure they would rather have a Greens coalition though than a New Zealand first coalition. Because if, if they preferred a New Zealand first coalition, they would have had a memorandum of understanding with them. I think well, it was um, a different it's a lot easier then. for them to deal with the Greens than it would be for Winston and his endless bottom line. So it, it would certainly be 
better for Labor that the Greens remained rather than and be a support partner for them rather than half their I think, support I think getting divvied out to the Nats and them having to do a deal with, with New that's, Zealand. That's, I think that's broadly right. Um, and at the same time, I think there are some people in Labor who would 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 prefer prefer New prefer, prefer New Zealand first thing, mm-hmm. and, that, and that it would be what is it? What was it? Two thousand and five, all over again, yep. where the Greens would be squeezed out. But the the to your point, Ben, I don't buy that. A lot of people have been saying the oh yeah, but if you've got the two uh, <coughs> drag race, the two parties would split it off. The difference between that and New Zealand first is that whereas the New Zealand first vote, as we've seen through polling, would split roughly either way if they were doing a a single tra- a transferable vote, their second mm. would be. Whereas with the Greens, tell me how many of the people in that, if you had 4.9% mm. Greens, how many of those people would choose national over Labour? And I would suggest to you one in five tops. So it's different in terms of, it is for, for so yes, they would get pr- roughly proportionally the, the, their bit of that vote. But for Labour... It, it, it also constitutes more of a loss than it would if, say, New Zealand First would have fallen to 5%. Yeah, but remember, New Zealand First have talked very strongly about not wanting to be in government with the Greens in the past. Um, I think Labour's clear preference in the Helen Clark years was to have a centre partner rather than a further left partner in coalition. Um, and, and, there's, there's a, and, and Jacinda Ardern, Grant Robertson were both... You know, prominent staffers during that time. That's where they learned their politics. Um, I, I don't, I, I, you know, I mean, it's it's clear from Labor's tactics that they are trying to drive the Greens under five percent. That's my ride. What's that? It's my <laughs> Is that a very loud vehicle outside? <laughs> um, Some Harley. You, you know, I mean, the the the, the, the announcements about coming to get us. <laughs> you know, um, t- talking about climate change, talking about swimmable rivers, um, like Labor has, that's clearly designed to to choke oxygen you know, yeah. away from the Greens um, and bring that back to Labor. I mean, I was thinking about this yesterday. I mean, I I I, um, I, I feel like it's a bit less Machiavellian that maybe I'm sure there are some in there that are that are thinking that, but I feel like it's it's. Um, I put this line into a piece. I think Duncan might have taken it out. He tried to replace it with a reference to Gilda Kirkpatrick, which I overruled because I didn't understand the line. This is a kind of high-level editorial. Oh, there's Gareth Morgan again. Um, but but I, I thought it was like, you know that, that scene in um, um, uh, Mad Men where there's that little copywriter who comes up and talks into Don Draper's ear in the elevator and da 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 And he goes, and I'm thinking about it. And, and Don Draper looks at him and goes, I don't think about you at all. And it's a bit like that, I think, for... for, for yeah, it's really... It's, it's even worse mm. than being loathed is to be to be ignored you know for, to, and, and I feel as though that's what they're just like oh yeah memorandum of understanding whatever we are just going now we're just not even looking at you you know we're just not even looking and, and, and for the Greens like we signed this memorandum of understanding we're friends we went to campaign together what's going and they're like, we'll get to that in a minute that seems to me we a vibe we had an o- organic potluck dinner together and mm. yeah yep we had friendship bracelets and everything everything <laughs> hemp ones um, we talked about Te Tonga and polling, Māori seats. Um, on the basis of those polls, which have been what they're, they're, they're read for, they read research Māori as TV. well for Māori TV. Yeah. And they put they give the, on that on that basis, we'd have two Māori Party yes. electorate MPs. Yes, doing better than Willie Jackson would have had us believe. Mm. Month or two back. Mm. So, in Te Tai Hauaudu, Howie Tamati is ahead. 
Um, mm-hmm. Although I would mention that when we polled with re- research in the last election, um, Chris McKenzie, who was the Māori Party's superb candidate in Te Taihauaru, was also polling above Adrian Rudafi and Adrian lifted on the day. So I'm sure Adrian's camp will be hoping that he can he can turn that around again. The thing that's difficult about polling the Māori seats is that it takes a long time to do to meet your sample size. Mm. Um, and that means that quite often the political landscape has changed quite a lot s- since the, the research began. So, mm. for example, they released Waiariki the other night and my understanding is that the research was conducted between... July and September and as we know it's a whole different world now. It had um, Te Ururua ahead, I think he's on about 60 and Tamati uh, yeah. on 39 sort of thing. So we, we, whether or not those polls are reflecting Jacinda Mania um, I, th- I think it's probably safe to say that they don't, but they are still probably indicative of the trends that are happening within the Māori seats. And um I mean, if that were to, to bear out, the, the in, a, in a in a weird way, the it could put Marama Fox, who is number one on the list, at risk because if if they end up on what one point three or one point four, you need to get up towards two in the party vote, which, um, despite what some television personalities would have you think, can yeah. can be voted for by anyone in the country, not just those in in Māori seats, but. Um, Marama Fox could miss out. Very likely to miss out if they win both those electorate seats. Um, she's more than likely gone because how many, how much party vote would you need with two electorate seats? You'd have to be about two percent. Yeah, it'd be about two. Yeah, yeah, so she's in grave danger at the moment. What about um, Te Tai Tokoro? Um, that hasn't been released yet, but that's been because that's going to be interesting, isn't it? I mean, things have obviously changed a lot around there, but we haven't seen an awful lot of Hornyharawera. The Mana movement leader, who is the kind of soul, mm. he's now the sole Mana candidate. Is yeah. it twenty five you know, because of the list. literally because the of the deal, mm. the deal that was done. Apart from the list, I mean, not presumably, which is only four people. Is it only four yeah. people? Right. Retrospect is a you know is a a, a wonderful thing, and um, at the time that the deal was done, it seemed very very smart because there was only seven hundred in it between him and Calvin at the last mm. election. But when you look now, it seems almost disastrous for Horne not to write him out of the game, and he can run a very effective, you know, um, two for the price of one campaign in the north. But I think um, the opportunity to potentially vote for the next. Māori Deputy Prime Minister and have them as your electorate MP will be, you know, very enticing for a lot of voters there. And I just, I wonder now if perhaps instead of keeping mana separate from the Māori Party, if maybe Hone should have just teamed up with them because, I mean, he won't even discount going into coalition with National now. So mm. what's the point of being separate if you're not? really that separate and he may have been better served to have um, to have joined back up with the Māori Party and try and bring together the Mana Party vote with the Māori Party vote because Mana did quite well last time. They, they polled higher than National. I realise that internet was a part of the mix but I still think that probably most of it was those staunch Mana supporters. So 
Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens there. The other thing that's interesting, I don't know if you guys saw, but um, Māori TV also released their poll for um, Hauraki Waikato, mm. which had Nanaia almost four times, with almost four times mm. the support of um, of Rahui. So much for the the, the, the Māori king influence, huh? Well, yeah, I'm sure that he is, of course, it goes without saying, he's absolutely influential within the kingitanga, but Hauraki Waikato is much more than the kingitanga it takes in places like papakura and you know what might be good for tuhetia and rahui pokeka isn't necessarily good for pania and papakura so i think that um yeah it's they'll be disappointed with that result i would imagine and nanaya will be very pleased and again it probably doesn't take into a it probably doesn't reflect the full scale of the jacinda effect in the maori seats so I'm sure it probably won't be that much on the day, but you'd be pretty pleased if you were Nanaya. Yeah, I, I think it was always it was always a bit questionable the idea of taking Waikato Hauraki off. Um, I mean, that was yeah, that that was that was never really in play. Um, that's that's about as safe as the South Island, really. Mm. And um, but yeah, I, I, interesting going going back what seems a million years to the extremely well moderated spin-off debate. Oh, last last week, which we're um, going to put up, by the way, as a podcast, a Gone by Lunchtime special. If that's okay with you guys, if you don't feel like that's kind of territorially no, uncool, so, you know, yeah. I think we're going to post that as a as a podcast separately on the thing. Yeah, wow. and you, you were saying, well, Kel- Kelvin got into a lot of trouble there, um, mm. talking about the, the the difficulties he had as both the deputy leader of Labour and having you know what is a very big electorate, Te Tai Tokoro. You know, and getting around that, um, attending to all of his constituent duties while also being the deputy leader, and Paula Bennett sort of roasted him about, you know, how did he intend to be deputy prime minister? Mm. I mean, I think we should probably pause and say I think the chances of Kelvin being deputy prime minister are pretty low because, you know, I think that will probably go to Winston Peters or, you know, in a very off chance, James Shaw rather than Kelvin. Um, But. But at, but at the same time, you know, there, there did seem to be a little bit of lack of fire in terms of wanting to keep both roles. It I was felt. an interest. I don't think it was a. It was a. It was a. It was an error on his part to answer the question about a mistake by saying that the job was too big. And I mean, I he was, hear he what was he's very saying, good on though, like it is hard when you're doing those Maori electorates oh, are huge, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it's um it's hard to be on a national campaign as well as your own. And I think, you know, that's where Marama and um, Te Ururua have been quite mm. smart in the way they've managed their campaign because Te has been basically invisible mm. on the national stage. She mm. hasn't fronted up for anything. Mm. Marama's been doing everything, you know. She's been fronting all of the debates. And Te Ururua and she's has been able... impressive. She kind of fills the room. She fills time. the room. And um, Te Ururua is at home in Waiareke just mm. working that you know, knocking on doors and doing all of that stuff, which is a smart strategy for them because they need that seat, you know. Um, The other thing that's sort of interesting is that in some ways the Jacinda effect could potentially hurt Tamati Coffee and his chances down there of taking that seat because now Te is in a position to run a very effective two 
two MPs for the price of one campaign. So, mm. and, and I believe he's doing so. And and as well, um, if we go back to again what seems a million years ago, that TV One poll shows that Labor plus the Greens plus the Maori Party is actually another path to power. Um, yep. way, you know, if you if you skirt New Zealand first. Yep. So the Maori Party is actually now a legitimate. I, right I, think, I think it right should, should be a legitimate would, partner and option for the Labour government. For each, Although for I would each say side. about yeah. that, though, is that you know the the Maori Party has spent the last nine years really putting the boot effectively into the Lab, Labour's MPs, and at the end of the day, when coalition deals are done, you know there's there's numbers and all of that stuff, but there's also personalities and feelings and hooty burnies and all of that sort of stuff, and I dare say that. On behalf that within the Maori Labour caucus, there will probably be more of a, of a desire to go with New Zealand first than perhaps the Maori Party. I'm sure at the end of the day, they'll be mates with whoever they have to be mates with to be in, in, in c- government. Certainly, it seemed pretty visceral between between Calvin and Marama Fox on the, or particularly Marama Fox towards Calvin. I mean, there you know there is some raw shit there, right? Mm. Well, I mean, it, it goes both ways. I mean, you know, Labour has spent a lot of, you know, under Andrew Little, they were saying the Māori Party is not a kaupapa Māori Party. Mm. Um, That's so, right. And, and, yep. and that all goes back to its formation, Forshaw and Seabed, Clark and Turia. Um, yeah. But, yeah. yeah. Oh, look, we've run out of steam. We're just going to stop this. We're going to stop. We're going to stop this. We're going to stop this. We're going to go and have a nap. Did we're we, going to go have a nap for a while, and we're we going to come back re-energize. Well, you want to want? You want to talk about Simon O'Connor? Oh, really quickly, oh, yes. really quickly. Let's oh, talk yeah, about Simon in. O'Connor. Um, decided it would be fun to post on um, website the the the, the uh, Facebook <laughs> the Facebook um, that Jacinda Ardern was concerned about youth suicide, and yet she supports euthanasia, and that was um, a really dire act of hypocrisy on her part. Um, What's going on there, really? That's my question. Uh, well, I, I think one part of it, um, this doesn't relate to O'Connor himself because he's, he's a lifetime, lifelong National Party conservative guy, but it does it does point towards something we might see a bit more of, which is with the kind of collapse of the Christian and then conservative parties outside, um, outside uh, Parliament. You know, we are actually seeing a lot more of the sort of traditional conservative Christian right coming into the National Party, um, which people will have different views on, um, because that kind of faction has not found sort of parliamentary representation anywhere else. Um, a lot of the new national candidates, um, you know, when I say a lot, you know, sort of handful, um, you know, are on that more sort of very socially conservative side um, than we would normally think. I'm thinking like Christopher Pink and Helensville, Simeon Brown and Pakaranga, who are actually replacing quite liberal. Is he the one you told us about before we yeah. started? Words you can't repeat on the podcast. I think we can repeat it, can't we? No. Oh. Oh. Um, the... <laughs> <laughs> Um, the yeah, and, and and the second thing that I think that the um, O'Connor comments show um, is a bit of a breakdown in discipline um, in national. You know, now that the you know with with the campaign getting much more choppy, much more even than I think was expected. Sort of you know two months ago, certainly. Um, you know, you see people going off on their own a bit more like that. You know, that's the sort of thing that under. You know, 
Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, pe- using the ca- inside voices on the outside. <laughs> <laughs> you know, ca- candidates get these lines from from HQ and from their campaign teams um, that they're meant to run about the opposition, and they don't include saying that Jacinda wants old people to kill themselves. Um, and so I think it does show, uh, you know, a little, the beginnings, certainly the beginnings of panic in the ranks. Uh, uh, firstly, it's richly ironic given that that was a policy introduced by National's own coalition partner, ACT, um, in terms of the whole dying with dignity kaupapa. And um, secondly, to mix up those two issues is such a, a horrendous m- misstep um, at best. Uh, he... I thought um, Barry Soper said it best when he said, um, you know, they're supposed to be disciplined, but they're they're behaving like they're desperate, and I think that sums it up perfectly, a really bad misstep on his behalf, and I'm sure there would have been some strong words from Uncle Bill. It's it's great that the final word in this podcast can go to Barry Soper. Um, the news, dogs MB. <laughs> check out our policy tool on the spin-off looking at policies if you like policies because they're good thank you to Mad Chapman who's been on the mixing desk today thanks Mad and thanks uh, catch you in a week mihi nui kia ora e te iwi te butler here podcast manager at The Spinoff. If you enjoy listening to our podcasts, consider supporting our mahi by signing up to become a Spinoff member at thespinoff.co.nz slash donate. The Spinoff Podcast Network.